Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by The Feed. You've heard me talk about products that help you fuel during long runs, training runs, and races, but actually I don't think I've stressed the importance of hydrating after a workout, and that's where SOS Hydration comes in, which is now available at The Feed. SOS was developed by a medical doctor and has been shown to be highly effective in a number of research studies. It's a natural hydration product, and it's the first organic electrolyte mix to also be vegan, non-GMO, kosher, gluten-free, and keto certified. Each serving has only 10 calories and yet 50% more electrolytes and 75% less sugar than the average sports drink. Only 3 grams of sugar per serving. SOS works to improve hydration for everyone from those living a fit and healthy lifestyle to elite athletes. Post-workout, during airline travel, and especially after the occasional celebratory beer, SOS will get you back to your optimal levels of hydration very quickly. The feed is celebrating its addition to the shop with a limited time 50% off sale, and then on top of that, you can also take an extra 10% off using promo code CITIUS10. So do it right, head on over to thefeed.com and use promo code CITIUS10 to save 10% off everything store-wide. Big ups to the feed, and thanks to them for doing an amazing job of supporting the podcast. For today's episode, I'm bringing back Isaac Wood to preview the 2019 NCAA cross-country championships that take place this weekend. I know that a lot of our listeners are college runners and fans of Division One cross-country, and when it comes to that, Isaac is the guru. Uh, so he's the mind behind the Wood Report projections that we put out, and they will be available on CitiousMag.com very shortly. On this episode, we will get his biggest surprises from regionals, uh, who can make some noise at the championship. We'll also get his individual and team podium picks. And, of course, who's going to finish dead last according to his projections and then has to prove him wrong, which most cases they do. One last thing before we start the show is that if you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or shouting us out in your Instagram stories. We love seeing when people are actively listening to the show, and we will repost, and ultimately, uh, every, it, this helps new people discover the show. We also just unveiled some new merchandise, so you can show your love for Sidious Mag by hitting the link in the show notes or visiting SidiousMag.com and hitting the merch tab. We've got hoodies, crewnecks, long sleeves, anything you want for the fall and winter. So without further ado, let's start the show. Here is Isaac Wood. And now we welcome back on Isaac Wood, the man behind the Wood Report for a NCAA cross-country championship preview. So, for starters, it was a very busy fall for you. Unfortunately, we weren't able to tape a podcast for the preseason women's picks, but we'll get to the women to start off this conversation for sure. But overall, this cross-country season, like, how does it compare to the last couple? Has it been as unpredictable, or how are you summing this season up so far? Yeah, that's a good question. Um to start, I think I would just say that I had all this work done on the women's side that I ended up losing and then having to backtrack. So a lot of the reason why my women's stuff was either A, not very good when I was doing it, or I wasn't able to get it out is because of that. So just as a as a, to put that out there. But um, now that I was able to kind of go back and um, through the through the months of 
meet results and things, I feel pretty confident about where I'm at with that. Um, you know, I think it's been a season where it's been a lot like what it's been in the past couple of years um, on the women's side where, you know, um, Kaladi and, and Alicia Monson are certainly probably the best girls in the country. At least that's what they look like. And, and uh, I mean, you know, the antelope, it's a surprise, but I mean, I mean, New Arkansas would be good, but I don't know if we realized that they would be as good as they are. And, and then, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think New Mexico, maybe not being quite as dominant as they have been in the past, but I would say that's a bit of a surprise. I think we all thought they'd be a team in contention, which for all we know, maybe they are, and they've just been, been playing the long game the whole time. I don't know. But um, I, I would say um, on the women's side, more a little more status quo than, than, than maybe in previous years where there's a little more parity. Um, you know, uh, but uh, it's still been a pretty exciting year. I mean, some of the races have been pretty fun to watch. Um, you know, I think that we have some fun battles ahead of us this, this, this weekend, especially considering what the weather might be. So, And then on the men's side? Men's side, certainly status quo. I mean, shoot, uh, the only team that is kind of in the mix that, haven't, that hasn't been maybe in the past couple of years is Colorado, but they're still, weren't they fifth last year? So I don't know. And, and, uh, and so, you know, everyone who's basically been good the past few years is still good. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting. You almost kind of start to see these recruits now all just kind of picking the same, the same couple different schools because they all want to kind of get in on that action, you know? Um, and, uh, <clears throat> so you're seeing some of these teams just really load up, um, you know, the Stanford's Washington's getting a ton of good people, um, you know, NAU, um, us. And uh, and uh, Portland. Um, so anyway, um, that is, I would say status quo for sure um, on the men's side. Yeah. So let's get into the women's teams that auto qualified for NCAA. So it's Arkansas, BYU, Cornell, Florida State, Furman, Harvard, Illinois, Michigan, Michigan State, NC State, New Mexico, Ole Miss, Penn State, Stanford, Texas, Tulsa. Villanova, Washington, Air Force, Boise State, Boston College, Colorado, Columbia, Indiana, Minnesota, NAU, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, Utah, and Wisconsin. What was the biggest shock out of the regionals uh, from, from that list of teams? Like, who were who you most surprised to see make it? Well, I mean, I think everyone was surprised to see Harvard and Cornell go one-two in the Northeast, and and that's the interesting thing is I I didn't really want to put out a prediction about the Northeast on the men or women's side, at least on Twitter, because I don't think anyone knew what that race was going to be like, and because cross-country races are usually not run on the road, and although I think it was good that they that they did it that way for the safety of the athletes, it, it changed the game for sure, and so I think I think Harvard and Cornell Cornell took advantage of that. And good for them for rising up and, and qualifying. Um, and that also, you know, gave the Northeast, Northeast a few more teams than they've gotten to NCAAs in the past couple of years. So who did that bump out? Um, who did that bump out? Um, let me think. Because um, hmm. the ranked teams that didn't qualify were Virginia Tech. Well, yeah, Virginia Tech. Yeah. Okay. Oklahoma State, Syracuse, yeah. and Cal Baptist, I think. Yeah, Cal Baptist couldn't go because they're because they uh, they had to wait out their time as in the, at the initial stage of their them being Division One membership. But um, I think uh, I think 
Virginia Tech and Oklahoma State definitely were ones that um, you know kind of got kind of got pushed out because of that. And Syracuse kind of been steady declining. I know they had a couple pretty significant injuries to their better runners. I think they were redshirting another one. So um, that I think that played a role in those teams not going. Um, and you know you got to put it together on the day. And and running is ridiculous sometimes. I mean, you know you can be you know I feel like I have a pretty good handle on. You know the the landscape of the of the national you know cross country scene, and I you know every every meet every year every week there's something that I'm like, what the crap? Like where did that come from? And uh, but that that's what makes it great, right? If it if it was predictable, it would be boring, um, and and we wouldn't enjoy it, you know. So I think that the unpredictability of it all is what makes it great. I saw a couple of tweets go out about NC State. I heard they did something crazy. What happened there? Uh, NC State's just good. I think people haven't maybe given them enough credit throughout the year for being a, a team that, you know, is, is not only quality, but on the right day is certainly a, could be a podium team. Um, you know, and, and Ellie Hennis has been about as good as you can ask for. And with the stud, true frost, Kelsey Camille, and actually Zatchko ran really well for them too. Um, they, they're deep. They're deeper than people think. And, and they are actually really talented with some, with some low sticks and with some good depth, that's always a recipe for a team in the in the hunt for a podium spot. So when you say Arkansas at the top of the show, you, when you were like Arkansas is good, I mean, what's it going to take for them to not win? <laughs> you know, don't do what they did last year. <laughs> I mean, shoot, I think I had them winning last year, and they got 13. Yeah, and so I, you know, at least I was like on the right track that they were a good program doing the right things, getting there by getting, by picking them to win. But um, I think this year they have a little bit more experience and, and when you have the, the, the same athletes who were, who had that, 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 that sour taste in their mouth from the year before now giving themselves another opportunity this year, I would be surprised if they, if they, if it's another letdown again. And then for New Mexico to close the gap, I mean, last year, I think when we had the conversation, it was a question of like their, the, their low sticks. I mean, is that the same case this year? You know, I think, you know, I hate to say Sharpie again, because I said it about Wayne Kalai last year and that was wrong. So I'm never going to say that again. I've sworn off the word Sharpie. Um, but I think, I think Wayne is, is definitely someone going to score one, two, three points, I would think. And, and the Kurgat looked better than she has all year at the regional. She had quite a bit of gap between her and the rest of the field, um, between her and Wayne. So what 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 it all comes down to, in my opinion, for New Mexico is Adva Cohen, um, who has been kind of coming back slowly from her time running at the World Cross, not World Cross, World Track Championships. And so she is certainly capable and certainly has the chops. It just a lot depends on where her fitness has, has come along since then, and also just her ability to to rise up in, in the in the big time meets. And this is the big. This is it. So um, you know, if Adva runs like she can, New Mexico, New Mexico could sneak up, sneak up on some people when you're only scoring, you know, you know, maybe five to ten points between your first two runners. And if you can get, if you can have your other three, just be in the in the hunt for an All American spot or even in the hunt for a top 60, 70 spot. Hey, they're gonna, they, they might come up on some of the teams that might end up having a, having a bad day. New Mexico could definitely sneak in there. So what's your podium look like, I guess, in your projections? Is it uh, Arkansas, New Mexico, then who, I guess, would take the No, most? actually, I think I have Arkansas fifth um, uh, on the outside looking in, um, and then, uh, but close. And then I, 
Well, actually, no, I have, uh, let's see. Um, I have Michigan State four, and then Washington, Stanford, Arkansas. Um, and obviously, I don't include BYU in anything I talked about as a conflict of interest. So um, They could be in there. They, they could be in there somewhere, and I would think the majority of the country would think that they're probably somewhere in that area. Um, but, uh, you know, you never know. So uh, I think I think New Mexico, Michigan State are those teams that are kind of on the outside looking in for that podium spot maybe or, or right there. Um, and, um, and so we'll see kind of how that develops. Michigan State has actually come along really well throughout the year. I mean, they, they actually surprised a lot of people, I think, by how good they looked at Panorama Farms. Um, they looked really good at Big Tens. They looked really good in the regional. And they've kind of been been really quiet, you know. Not not many people know, you know, who even their studs are. I Maybe mean, not. Andy Fuller is really good, um, and I think and I think she's someone who hasn't gotten the credit that she probably deserves as well as someone who's, um, you know, talented and going to be in the top ten, fifteen conversation. Um, but you know, outside of Andy Fuller, you know, Michigan State is more than just that, though. I mean, I think that I think um, Geraldine Poe and India Johnson. And Lindsey Graham and uh, and even Jenna Magnus are all capable of top hundred days, if not better. I would say Gerilyn and India could be even um, in that in that uh, realm for an All American spot. So um, having having that kind of depth from Michigan State and just kind of being flying under the radar, man, that's nice. It's kind of nice being flying under the radar because there's no pressure. It's just another meet for them. No one's looking at them to do anything, and so they could sneak up. So can you speak to the strengths the, of the other two schools that you mentioned? So there's a Stanford and Washington. Yeah. Well, I think I think the the strength of Stanford is that um, you know they they went one two in the West Regional without their number one. <laughs> so the strength is a, is their low sticks. I mean Fiona O'Keefe, Ella Donahue, and Jessica Lawson are all going to be probably top fifteen. So when you can do that, they're similar to New Mexico in the sense that they've got three really good girls up front. Um, but they're not lacking behind them because Jordan Oaks and Julia Haymock and even someone like a Christina Aragon, who is a really good middle distance runner, you know, and, and especially in, for the women running 6K, I think that she's someone who has the talent, who has the ability, and maybe she could put them together and help kind of push them up into that, maybe to the national championship spot or second or third. So, And then Washington. Washington has that has the newcomer Melanie Smart, who they didn't run at pre-Nats. Um, and but they still have Katie Rainsberger, who has, is obviously you know a stud. She's proven she's a senior. Am I right? I think so. That's crazy. Uh, her time has gone pretty quick. Um, and then someone who someone there, two people I think are going to be huge for Washington are are Lily Burden, who's kind of been slowly coming on, um, and she didn't have a great start to the year. And obviously she's been trying to gain fitness as fast as she can. But but another person who's kind of flown under the radar, who's had a good year, is Shona McCullough, and and she. She's certainly an all-American candidate, in my opinion, and and someone who had actually a really good day at pre-nats. And it's nice to be able to say that you had a good day at the course that you're going to be running at nationals, because then you can kind of, you know, just hopefully have infuse that same confidence you had there into the national championship meet. So, uh, individuals-wise, who do you have, you know, in your top five? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to not go with Wayne Kalati. Um, I mean, she's been really good. Although we know we, she got beat by Alicia at, at Wisconsin, I still I still like Wayne for the win, um, and obviously Alicia right there. Uh, you have to talk about Taylor Werner from Arkansas and Fiona O'Keefe, who we talked about. We talked about Ellie Hennis, um, Katie Izzo from Arkansas, the Cal Poly transfer. She'll be someone right there. Um, and you, 
you know, you know there's going to be an Anna Aurora sighting at the front for a long time. The question is how long will she stick it there um, and, and, uh, and where she's at that way because we know she's gritty. We know she likes to put herself in it. We'll just kind of see how long she can hang um, at, that, at that pace up at the front. So we'll see. But she's someone else to look at. One of my favorite questions that we did last year was, you know, who is an individual qualifier who will be up there and maybe can use cross country as a springboard to, as a name to remember later on in the track season. It might've been last year or two years ago, you dropped the name Grayson Murphy and, you know, look at that. You picked a mountain running world champion. So this is kind of like a remember the name type of uh, segment. So yeah. who are you looking at on this list as your remember the name pick? Okay, so I think if we're looking at someone who can use their cross-country season to springboard into a better indoor-outdoor, I would say Sarah Frikes from Virginia Tech. She's, she's, she's steadily had a good year. Um, you know, she led Virginia Tech to having one of the better seasons in the past several years. And, I, and to be honest, they were just, you know, they kind of got unlucky in terms of not qualifying as a team. But, um, you know, she's run 34 flat and 16.15, which is what she's done is a lot better than that. I would I see her as a as a sub 15.50 type um, 5K girl. And I can I see her being in the low 33s to high 32s in the 10. And I think that she can use the confidence that she's gaining from the fact she's running with 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 ladies of her same up that same level who can run those times. She's run, she's been running with those girls all year long. So I can see her kind of being that next taking the next step up into the to the upper echelon of, of, of NCAA women's distance running. Here's another fun question I think I'll throw your way, is let's give some credit to the middle distance runner who's going to fare the best at the NCAA championships. Before you mentioned Christina Aragon, is it her? Mm-hmm, probably not. Um, if we're looking at just pure middle distance types, um, that, that, that is a really good question. I, you know, um, I was actually pretty impressed with how well Lottie Black from Rhode Island had run all year, but I don't see her being the top, uh, mainly 1500 meter type runner in there. Um, you know, uh, maybe that's Ella Donahue from Stanford, who I think she's run, you know, low 14s in the 1500. And so she probably would win the, I'm the best sole middle distance runner in the, in the field type of talent. Um, She's around 415 in the 1500. Um, 411, excuse me, 411. So she's around 411. So um, certainly I would say that she, she's the best mid-D runner in that field that um, that's going to be in that top 10, top 15 area. So, um, And then for the last uh, little segment or tidbit that we'll do, who is the prove-me-wrong uh, runner who you have finishing in dead last on the women's side. Jeez. I hate this. <laughs> look, look, some, someone's got to be dead last. Okay. So according to the data, okay. The nice thing about data is you can blame everything on the data. Okay. So according to the data, I have Grace Thomas of Ohio state finishing 255th. So Grace prove me wrong. And I promise you she will, because every year there is someone who has the worst day of their life who shouldn't even be in the 200 club. And they, they finished there. So, A quick break to get view the lowdown on Squirrel's Nut Butter. They are the best when it comes to anti-chafing salves and products. 
Why? It's because they use all natural ingredients in everything that they make. If it's not natural, it's not good enough for your skin. These products are made to prevent skin damage as well as restore and repair any damaged skin. So Squirrels Nut Butter is actually a company that really, really cares about its consumers. They oversee every step of the production. They're based in Flagstaff, Arizona and have people mixing and pouring every ingredient before labeling containers and shipping them out the door. They also give back to the sport by sponsoring running, cycling, and triathlon athletes, as well as events from around the world. They also support this podcast. And my listeners can try all Squirrels Nut Butter products with 20% off by using promo code Sidious20 at squirrelsnutbutter.com. So check them out and support these sponsors that support this podcast. All right, let's hit the men's side now. Um, the men's auto qualifiers were Arkansas, Colorado, Georgetown, Harvard, Iowa State, Middle Tennessee, NAU, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Portland, Purdue, Stanford, Syracuse, Texas, Tulsa, Villanova, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. The men's at-large teams that made it were Alabama, Boise State, BYU, Florida State, Furman, Indiana, Iona, Michigan, NC State, Oregon, Utah State, Washington, and Wisconsin. So, but we're going to follow a very similar pattern. Yeah. What was the biggest shock from uh, from regionals? You know, again, it's the Northeast. I mean, I this summer I had Harvard making the meet, and then they didn't look that good all year, and then they then they finally looked good in the regional. Um, so I'm glad that they did. You know, <laughs> but but I definitely would say that that was a surprise that they won. I mean, I I think I think going into regionals, I would have said Syracuse, Iona, they're the two getting out of the Northeast region. Call it good from there. But good for Harvard for rising up and getting it done on the men's and women's side in the Northeast region, um, you know, with those interesting conditions being flexible and just kind of not being, you know, stuck to. And sometimes when, when things change, people kind of panic and they're like, this is not what I thought I was going to be. Like, this needs to be this day because I was, I was prepping for this. And instead of panicking, they stayed calm. They just did their thing. And, and good for Harvard for doing that. So it's got to be Harvard again in that, in that same slot. Uh, was one of the biggest disappointments UCLA ranked 10th and not making it? Man, that's that's proof that low sticks can take you to the promised land, but if you don't got them, ooh. Now, now that's not to say that Colin Burke and Garrett Reynolds aren't really talented, but those three were the dudes. And behind that, you know, Chris Morzenti and, uh, is a really solid four for them, and then after that, it drops off, it drops off even more. And so – Without Brant, that just really hurt. And and it gets hard to get in that race. And you're like, we don't have Brant, you know, and we don't have our our main guy. And that just it it changes the way you run. It makes you a little more tight, a little more stressed. And I, I think that just that was just a, a combination of all those things led to the led to UCLA not qualifying, which was a bummer because they really were a pretty good team. I mean, they almost beat us at, at Dillinger. So. And then there's Oklahoma State as another sort of disappointment out of the regionals. They are missing the NCAA championship for the first time since 2002. What happened there? Yeah, I think I think Rodriguez got hurt, and uh, and you know um, and Hattie. I don't think Ashnafe Hattie was healthy enough to run, and so you know everything was resting on on Smeaton to to get things done. And 
and and unfortunately it just didn't come together and that's it is a bummer because that's a pretty good that's a it's a great program that's a good team that probably would have been top 15 had they had maybe maybe even top, top 10 had they had everyone healthy ready to roll and they, and they did it on their home course which is even more of a bummer so you know um definitely feel bad for feel bad for them in that in that regard that it just didn't come together for them um and so for for them in ucla you know friday was not a fun day for them yeah i'm looking at it right now you had uh, your preseason picks and you had ucla eighth and you had oklahoma state 13th and both of them were going to be watching the meet from home that's crazy it's it's it, it's the low sticks because isai rodriguez was 66th and brand didn't run and you know i mean the nice thing is when you have someone who's really good you're basically scoring four guys and that helps <laughs> um so then i guess from there the unranked teams who made it in were Furman, Arkansas, Florida State, Harvard, NC State, and you, you said of that bunch, Harvard is the most impressive. But what about those other teams? Like, where do you see who who's going to be the highest, you know, finisher of those aside from Harvard? Maybe. Um. Good question. I th- I think I think uh, maybe maybe Arkansas from the fact that they're that they have um, one or two guys that'll be. You know, in the in that top sixty seventy range, I think, um, and so those guys will be able to kind of help um, help them up front. And I think Matt Young and Ryan Murphy are definitely capable. Uh, Ryan Murphy, especially, I think I've been surprised with the thought that he was kind of more of like a you know maybe even all American candidate type caliber talent. Um, hasn't gotten it done yet this year, but he still could. And that's the thing is crazy about the national meet is every year. When the meet's over, we look at what happened and kind of you know brief what debrief what went down. It's it's interesting because there's always like when I had my belt all year, finally got to meet and then they went boom and blew that thing out of water and you're like whoa, we knew you could do that, but you haven't done it all year, right? Um, a, a candidate for that, in my opinion, is Danny Kilray from Notre Dame, who has not run well all year long, and it's weird. I mean, that dude was 33rd last year at NCAA's and and. Some of the initial data I got back on him was having him pretty far back, and I actually just, you know, went and moved him <laughs> because I'm like, no, 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 I, I'm going to believe that this guy is much better than that, and there's just been something going on. He's going to figure it out at Nationals. And if I'm wrong, great. I'd rather be wrong on that side than the other. So so before the season, your top five, um, and again, this doesn't account for BYU possibly being in this top five. Right. You have- Stanford, NAU, Washington, Iowa State, Oregon. How are you feeling about that? I feel pretty good about it. I mean, it was as much as it was a bummer that Oregon beat us at Dillinger. It was actually almost like a validating moment of like, yeah, no, those guys are actually good, right? Um, I I think the only team I'm missing at that is Portland, and you can never and and Tulsa probably. Portland and Tulsa are 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 two teams that have shown that obviously you know what they had coming in they've they've markedly improved um and so but of those other teams that that you mentioned i think all the teams all have a shot at top six or seven so you mentioned portland and it's one of my my favorite questions to ask you because we've seen it time after time and we kind of were just wondering at the very beginning of the season is what does uh rc rob connor have up his sleeve what is it looking like his trick is this year? I don't know. I think I think what Rob Connor does is he gets those guys 
emotionally ready to run well when it matters and helps them kind of maintain their emotions in the meets that, that he deems aren't as important, right? And so those guys always run well at regionals. And I think it's because they set things up for that, right? Their training is geared towards crushing it at regionals and just carrying that or, over eight more days into doing it again at nationals. And, and so, you know, he's, he's a team that that's a team that, you know, you almost can't even look at what they did in their body of work come before, before regionals, as long as they just get there, because who they are at nationals is never going to, is always going to be 100 times different than what they were at, at their first or second meets of the year. And so what does he have up his sleeve? I don't know. Does he have another athlete that he's been holding back? Like a, like a Matt Welch a couple of years ago, he's going to throw out there at nationals. I have no idea. I don't know if he does. I mean, looking at their roster and who they have, there's a couple of guys who he could throw in there that might just shock us, like a Clément Leduc from France who has got pretty good track times who didn't run at regionals. Um, he's a guy you could look at in that spot. But otherwise, I think who they, who they ran at regionals is probably who they've got at nationals, and that's a good team. <laughs> Before the season when you picked Stanford over NAU, I'm trying to remember what exactly your reasoning was, but – that kind of just brings me to just an observation. For years, NEU has been so dominant on the championship stage. Is this the closest run they're going to have for their money, or is 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 this the year that they're still going to run away with it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I had Stanford um, winning because on paper, they looked like the best team. I mean, I don't think I'm the only one on the planet that would have looked at, if you just compare cross-country finishes and track times of Stanford, group versus NAUs or anyone else's, you would have thought, oh yeah, that's the better team. But we didn't know how good Abdi Nur was going to be. We didn't know how good Drew Bosley was going to be. I don't think we we um, we could have anticipated that Stephen Fahey wouldn't have had as quite as good of a year. And so, you know, you, you add those two in for NAU and drop Stanford down a few knocks with a couple guys, and that makes NAU, in my opinion, the, the clear favorite. Um is this team as bona fide in terms of like, you know, when you had Matt Baxter and Tyler Day up front, those guys, those are guarantee, you know, guys who are going to lead it from the gun or be close to it and just get after it from the gun. And these other NAU guys, they play the waiting game a little bit longer that, you know, they, they like to get after it. But if you notice like at, at Wisconsin or, um, you know, it took them a little bit longer to kind of gather up as a group and move to the front. And so the only difference I see between those teams is that, you know, NAU is going to have to kind of still find their way throughout the race, you know, up towards the front if they don't get out like they had in years past. Um, but otherwise, I mean, this is definitely a team that might even be, to be honest, they might be deeper than they've been in years past. They've got they've got nine guys they could throw in there that could be an All-American. Um, Vis-a-vis, in other years, they'd had, you know, five guys that were for sure All-Americans. And then after that, it was like, mm, you know, this year they're definitely deeper. So how does the race unfold in your point of view, just kind of taking into account how Wisconsin unfolded, how pre-nets unfolded, sure. and given the, the resumes that some, and, and the credentials that some of these runners that you mentioned have of the way that they approach these races, um, on a day, who's, who's going to be up there toward the front? And then when you talk about that pack, is it just a matter of who assembles their pack the quickest? Or, or how does... Uh, how does someone close the gap well here's how i see it happening um at pre-nats and not very many people mentioned this or talked about it it was interesting but kiyoko from campbell took that thing out i think in the 59 first quarter and it was like something like 238 first k i mean 
we're talking just like ridiculous stuff, you know? And, and so I, I don't see why he wouldn't do that again, except for just backing up a little because he definitely, I mean, he was toast at like five or six K, but if he dials it back just a little, but can kind of keep that heat on, he's going to break people pretty early. Um, and so I, I see the NAU pack and the Stanford pack and, and the kind of the, the rest of the group who are just, you know, more, more worried about where the team is at than maybe some of their individuals for the win. I see them kind of all clumping up together in that 30, 40 range, just kind of moving up along as the, as the meet, as the race progresses. Um, especially those, those guys always play it smart, you know, and, and they, they're eating the dead meat after 8k because, because in that national championship setting of a race where it's out part of them, like most people will tell you that they feel like the, the race that went out the hardest they ever ran in was nationals. And, and you know, because there's just so much adrenaline, so much excitement, it's the biggest crowd they've ever run in in their entire life. And, and so, you know, people are getting out so hard that by the first K they're like, wait, what, why do I feel so bad? So those guys are going to be able to, you know, the, the teams that are battling for the team in that team, for the team win, I guess, are going to be the teams that are kind of grouping up, you know, through at, at about 3K and then just slowly getting people as they come back. Um, and there will be five to 10 guys who are in the top top 15 through 5K that will end up out the back door and get swallowed up by that other group um, by, by, by 10K. Let me ask you one BYU question, and that's kind of, you know, over the years, when you guys have been podium contenders, you know, the race shakes out and you guys haven't been able to come away with a win. Have you guys picked up on anything in particular that, you know, year year by year you look to correct? And then I guess based off of last year's race, like on, on a perfect day, what are you hoping, what mistake are you hoping doesn't get made this time around? Yeah, I mean, I think you always learn from your past uh, mistakes past races um you always look at the training and obviously i'm not the coach so i'm not riding the training or even involved in that way um but you know when you look at trying to just improve from 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 year to year i think i think you know it's important to kind of talk to the athletes and see what they think see how they felt um and and you just look at trends start to look at trends of how maybe how you went out in the in one year how you went out the other year um and, and you just kind of look at those trends and say, okay, this is a trend that I've seen that we've done that hasn't been helpful. Let's not do that again. The worst thing you can do, and I'll say this to answer your question, is not getting out well. Got to get out, right? And so, you know, um, I, think, I think getting out, for anyone who wants to be in the hunt, where you're at at about 5K is probably going to be within, you know, plus or minus 10 or 20 of where you're probably going to finish. And obviously that number increases, that, you know, the, the, the farther back you are in the race. So you just you gotta get out. Let's look at the individuals now. Um, yeah, what, what is your top five looking like? Well, it's hard to doubt Edwin Kurgat. He's looked very good all year and pulled away from everyone at Wisconsin like like they were standing still. You gotta look at um, Keegan and Kiprop from Alabama, and Kyoko and Kemboy from Campbell. And then I like I like Joe Klecker and I like Oliver Hoare. I think Oliver Hoare has been someone who has not only proven that mid distance guys can run cross, but he's a cross guy. He might be a cross guy who runs mid distance now. No, okay, he's the NCAA champ, but uh, <laughs> but you know he def, but he's someone to, to factor in there um, as well. And and I think um, you know you you pick any number of those of those guys I mentioned: Kurgat, Keegan, Klecker, Kyoko, Kemboy, Kiproth. 
Um, and, and those guys will certainly be, um, you know, the, the guys I see get, you know, when things are getting strung out that they stay up in the front in that, in that clump. Um, and, and I think all those guys are, are made for 10 K uh, outside of maybe you wouldn't think that whore would be, but he is. And so um, I think all those guys were made for 10 K. And so this, this race will be very interesting to see, you know, basically it's, it's a war of attrition really. Right. Someone's going to go out there and just hammer it. And it's just like, who can hang on the longest at that pace. Right. Um, and then there might be a kick at, kick at the end. I, I actually kind of foresee this race being whoever wins this thing is actually going to is going to have that thing won maybe by two or 400 meters out where it's going to be pretty obvious who the winner is going to be. I, could, I just kind of have that feeling that this, that this meet, this race is going to be something like that. I didn't ask for the women, but I guess, well, let's hit both of them. Who is your top freshman on both sides? Oh, good question. Um, top freshman on the, on the men's side is going to be either um, Kashawn Harrison. Um, if we're talking true freshman, Kashawn Harrison or Drew Bosley, you could throw Abdi Nur in there as a redshirt frosh as well. Those three are the best freshmen in the country on, on the men's side. Um, and, then, and then on the women's side, um, Melanie Smart of Washington would be a no-brainer there, but also Erica Vanderlinda of Michigan, who's had a really good year as a true freshman. She's certainly in that conversation for best freshman on the women's side. On the men's side, give me your remember the name pick. Ooh, remember the name. Okay. Um, I mean, it might be Abdi Nur just because his track times, you know, will I think he ran 14.0 something registering last year. Uh, and that might have been even off of a conversion. I, I don't remember that one. But, um, um, you know, let, let's see. Who is someone that will be um, – Okay, here's one, and I, and I think people know who he is, and he's been good, but but I actually think Ian Shanklin has been steadily one of the better performers in the country all year from NC State, and he's a huge part of them qualifying for nationals as their low stick. Like you mentioned, low sticks are huge. you got to have someone in there, you know, um, unless you have five guys who are just all pretty good. <laughs> but um, I think Ian Shanklin is going to have a really good cross-country season, and he's going to see himself putting, him in, put it, putting himself with those – names of guys that are the best 5k 10k guys uh, in the NCAA so I like Shanklin for that before we I guess keep going there's um I think we got to give a little bit of props to the guys from Georgetown because for years over the last two years they've gotten like snubbed or robbed I think at the very end of the season and now they finally they got their auto qualifier and they're going to the big dance yeah good for Georgetown that I would say that is a surprise I mean I think going into I think I would have put Penn or Princeton ahead of them. But, you know, Van Scoder and Wareham ran great last year. I think they're both top 65 guys. Uh, Spencer Brown has been, you know, very solid. Uh, I think he's gotten better, more confident in cross country as his career has progressed. Um, and and so you have to give Georgetown credit for, for getting it done because they, they did. So uh, good for them. And the Mid-Atlantic is one of those, is one of those regions where they're typically only going to get two – maybe three teams out on their best year. So that's, that's, that's a region where you go into it and you think, you know what, let's just go for it. Let's, let's, let's get top two and go for broke and let's see what happens. And that, you know, Georgetown got that done. Uh, props also to price Owens from Georgetown as well, who had, who had a good race and he's had a good, he's had a good season for Georgetown too. So. Um, I think we kind of skipped over it, but um, who, what is your podium looking like on the men's side? And again, BYU is not factored in. Yeah. Conflict of interest there. Um, I mean, I, I, I do like uh, – I, I, I want to throw – I have a tie, actually, <laughs> between Portland and Stanford. And then I have um, 
uh, Colorado and NAU. Wait, so you have a tie to win? No, sorry. The tie for the win would be NAU. The, the, no, the win would be NAU, Colorado, then a tie for Portland with Portland and Stanford. So that's going to be interesting. I think Stanford has has the power up front, but Portland's definitely got the got the depth behind them. Um, and so, and 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 uh, in both teams, I think they, I think what Portland and Stanford went three four last year, and so could be could be another battle between those schools. I also I have Tulsa um, as a sub uh, two hundred school, um, and to, if you usually if usually the, the the rule of thumb is if you're under two hundred points, you're going to be on the podium. This would be maybe the first year in a long time that that's not if Tulsa it does score like I think they will under two hundred, and that's I think that's probably a little bit of a bold prediction, um, but man they have been so good all year and. They're led by Patrick Deaver, who he beat Matt Baxter at World Cross last year. That guy is good. That guy is really good. No one even knows who that guy is, probably. And then Cameron Field and Isaac Akers and Scott Beatty. Um, and I'm forgetting their other guy because I'm an idiot. But um, Peter Lynch. Um, but, uh, you know, the, that is that might be the top to bottom the most ready-to-go five in the country outside of maybe, maybe NAU. Um, and, and so, I mean, they, they practically held hands across the line at AACs. They did basically the same thing at regionals, and that's a team to look out for because Steve Gully, hey, he doesn't get enough credit. His women got to the dance. His men are the best team they've had in years. Steve Gully, for one of the best coaches in the country, that doesn't get enough credit for sure. And then last but not least, the prove me wrong pick. Oh, heaven help me. Um, love you so much, Nathan Mack of Middle Tennessee State. But uh, if he runs, that's that's my guy right there. So, <laughs> oh man! All right, Isaac, is there anything else you want to get off your chest for this cross country season before we go into um, into nationals? Get off my chest! I love it. Um, you know, uh, I want to give a shout out to John Jack Miller for for infiltrating the NCAA like he has. He's been he's been really good from the get go, and he he just. He's everything that's great about cross country. He looks so tough. He runs so tough. Love the long flow he's got. Um, love John Jack Miller Bionna. That's my parting words. <laughs> Isaac Wood, thank you so much for taking the time. We might we, we might do another one of these next week just to kind of process through everything. Um, and yeah, you're the man. Keep it up. Appreciate you, Chris. We'll talk soon. That's all from me for this episode of the podcast. Thanks to Isaac for taking the time for the show if you listened and enjoyed it give us a shout out on your instagram stories and we will repost it to all our followers this helps new people discover the show many thanks to the feed and squirrels nut butter for supporting the podcast head on over to thefeed.com and save 15 percent off a box of marathon training products that i used uh, or you could just use promo code sidious 10 to save 10 percent off everything store-wide squirrels nut butter has 20% off all their products and if you hit them up use promo code Sidious20 at checkout at squirrelsnutbutter.com all these details are in the show notes and once again support the sponsors who help keep the lights on for the show if you're competing this weekend at the NCAA cross country championships good luck I actually will be in Philly racing the Philadelphia half marathon on Saturday really off of minimal training so we'll see how that goes might still try and chase a PR might blow up who knows? I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. And of course, legs are feeling good.